So um, lots of great things happening right now. Two weeks from today will be Easter Sunday. And uh, we're excited. Last year on Easter, we were actually shut down altogether. So we're excited to actually be able to have uh, an in-person service this year on Easter Sunday. And one of the drawbacks of Easter is it's, it's one of the greatest messages of the year, but it's, we only get to talk about it on that one Sunday. So we thought we'd do something a little bit different this year at Connect. And the Sundays leading up to Easter, we talk a little bit more about uh, the, the cross, about Jesus on the cross. And we've been in this series, it started last week, and it's called Famous Last Words. And each week is unique, so you're not, you know, coming in halfway through. Each week is kind of a unique look at one of the things that Jesus said in those last hours of his life on the cross. So there were several statements he made. We've chosen four of them to look at. Last week, um, Andy started us out with the phrase from Jesus, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? So, uh, quite a, uh, a famous thing that Jesus said there on the cross. And Andy did a fantastic job of explaining that not only was this something very powerful, a question that Jesus was asking, but it wasn't just that question that stood alone. He was actually quoting a psalm, which is kind of like a song that was written by King David hundreds of years earlier. And that psalm um, was all about uh, kind of a prophetic, a prophecy of this, this Messiah that would one day come. So when Jesus quoted that psalm, he was joining the prophecy of what had been said of the Messiah to the reality of who he was, that prophesied Messiah, there on the cross. It was prophecy coming true in his, in his crucifixion. So last week, we learned about Jesus as God's plan. Jesus as God's plan. This week, we're going to look at something else of Jesus, something else we discover in those last moments of his life, and that is Jesus as a picture of God's mercy. We're going to discover this morning uh, just an insight into who Jesus was as a picture of God's mercy. And here's where, this, this is the phrase we're going to look at this morning. It's found in Luke 23, 34. So Luke was one of four uh, guys who wrote about the life of Jesus. And in Luke's account of Jesus' life, he writes in 23, verse 34, of those last moments of Jesus' life there on the cross. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. So this week we're looking at that phrase, that simple phrase, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. They don't know what they're doing. It's a, a very simple phrase, but when you think about it in the context of when Jesus said it, the circumstances that were going on as to, to why he said it, man, that's a very powerful phrase. It was a phrase that, that demonstrated who Jesus was to be able to say something like that. Have you ever been out? Maybe it's driving a car or something. We've got some families here with young children. And uh, I, I'm sure you've never done anything like this, but maybe a car has cut you off or something and you lose your temper a little bit. You get a bit impatient. Maybe you, you shout a little bit at the driver in front of you. Let him know what you think about the movie just pulled. And a little voice comes from the back seat and says, Daddy, don't forget, be kind, be patient. You, you don't want to hear that. And here's why you don't want to hear that, okay? Because number one, 
you know that that little voice is right. And number two, you know where that little voice learned that. They learned that from you. <laughs> so they are literally quoting your, you, you, you've tried to teach them to be kind and then they've caught you in a moment where you weren't being too kind and they're reminding you, Daddy, be kind. In this moment, we get to see something that Jesus not only believed and taught, but he lived out. When he was put to the test, he lived it out. Listen to what Luke, the same writer, um, tells us about Jesus earlier in his life. Something Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 28. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you and bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. In this moment, Jesus, having just literally been nailed to a cross, is saying, God, forgive them for they don't know what they do. He is, he is living out something that he has taught. He is practicing what he's preached. It's an incredible moment and an insight into who Jesus was. On top of that, just to kind of piggyback on what Andy spoke about last week when he talked about Jesus being uh, the, the prophecies of who Jesus would be and, and how he would live his life and where he would be born and, and how he would die. Listen to what was said in Isaiah 53.12. So Isaiah was a prophet who lived hundreds of years before Jesus. And if you read all of this chapter of Isaiah 53, it becomes very apparent as you read through that although Isaiah is talking about something in that day, it is kind of predicting what will happen when Jesus comes, when the Messiah comes. And in Isaiah 53.12, he says this, this Messiah who one day comes, he, will bear, he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Now, when that was written at the time, people maybe didn't fully understand it, but as Jesus was on the cross saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, he's literally interceding, making intercession for his transgressors, fulfilling prophecy in that moment. I read this week that crucifixion is perhaps the most humiliating and painful form of execution ever devised. Yet Jesus offered no resistance and manifested no resentments. He even prayed for those responsible for his death. Jesus loved people so much that in those last moments of his life, he's, he's crying out to his father, crying out to God, saying, God, forgive them, have mercy on them. They don't fully understand what's going on here. They don't realize who I am, what is going on. Forgive them. It's a pretty incredible insight into who Jesus was. But here at Connect, we like to, to go a little bit deeper. And rather than, I mean, we could end right here and leave thinking, man, that's a great insight into who Jesus was. And um, we could have more admiration for who he is as a human and, and his teaching lived out in, in how he forgave others. But I always like to kind of look at it and say, well, well how does that affect us 2,000 years later? More than just the story of Jesus' life, what can I learn about that? How could I live differently? If, if I've made a decision to follow Jesus, how can his, um, his role here influence me to live differently? What, what example can I get from him? And here's what I came up with this morning. I came up with some, some good news for us. And some bad news. Some good news and some bad news, okay? I'm not going to let you choose which to hear first. I'm going to give you the good news first, all right? So you're going to get to hear the good news first this morning. 
So we prayed for some lovely families this morning, some beautiful babies. And one of the reasons we prayed for these families is because these mums and dads, uh, they really want to be able to raise their kids well, to, to teach them, um, to be able to, to teach them all these different things. And, and I got some good news for you here this morning, mums and dads, okay? One of the things you aren't gonna have to teach your kids, okay? You just won't even have to teach them this at all. And that's how to be naughty, all right? That's just one of the lessons you won't need to cover, all right? I'll, I'll let you know that right now. They're, they're gonna kind of get the hang of that on their own. There will never be a time where you have to sit down with your beautiful little boy or girl and say, listen, you can't keep letting your brother or sister play with the toys. You have to learn how to snatch them away. Come on, let's practice snatching again. Let's, let's really snatch it out of their hands. Let me hear you say mine. No, louder, mine. That's it, scream it as loud as you can. We don't need to teach our kids this, do we? Because they, they kind of figured that out on their own. And the reason is because every one of us here this morning, from a child on, we've, we've not been taught how to be naughty. And the Bible explains why. The Bible uses a little bit of an old-fashioned word, but it talks about this, this behavior as sin. The bad things we do, it, the Bible calls it Sin. Paul's writing to a church uh, in Rome and, and he talks about this idea of sin and he explains it to these people in Rome. In Romans 3, verse 23, he says, everyone has sinned, all of us. We've all sinned and as a result, we all fall short of God's glorious standards. So God's standard is perfection. So if you've done anything wrong this morning, just one thing, you've fallen short. And if you're like me this morning, it's probably more than one thing. Because God's standard is perfection. So that sin, those wrong things we do, that separates us from God. But the great news, I said good news earlier, it's great news. The great news is that God came up with a solution. God loves you and me so much. And God understood that this, this sin, these, these things we do, they separate us from a perfect God. So he came up with the solution. Paul talks about this a little bit Later in, in that same book of Romans, he says in Romans 5, 8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God loves you and me so much that while we were still messing up, while we were still doing things wrong, God sent Christ to die for us. That was the solution to that sin problem. Now, it would be great if it just ended there. But just like when Jesus prayed for those soldiers, said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That wasn't just kind of like a blanket forgiveness. Like suddenly they're all, left off, they're all let off the hook. They're all absolved from any responsibility. Jesus was crying out, God, have mercy on them because they don't fully understand what they're doing. And yet still, there would have come a point where those soldiers would have had to have made a decision. Am I sorry for what I've just done? If they fully understood who Jesus was, would they be able to come to a place of saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done. And in just the same way, the fact that Jesus died, that God loved us so much that he sent Christ to die for us. He sent him to die for us because he loves us so much and to forgive us. But there still has to come a point where we say, God, I recognize that now. I recognize that these things I do wrong, they've separated me from a relationship with you. I'm sorry for what I've done. I want this relationship with you restored. Would you forgive me? Now, some of you here this morning might think, well, that sounds too simple, but it actually is. It's that simple. 
We tend to overcomplicate it at times. We tend to think, well, if I'm ever going to get right with God, I'd better start getting a big list out of boxes to check and things I better start doing right. And then hopefully if I check enough of those boxes and do enough things right, then maybe I'll have bridged that gap. Or maybe it's a different list of boxes, the things that you shouldn't be doing. And you're like, okay, I didn't do that today and I didn't do that. And I went through a whole day without doing that once. And, and we try to do it all in our own strength. But God's saying, it's, it's, it's much simpler than that. It's coming and saying, God, forgive me. Forgive me because I've messed up. Many people in this room this morning have prayed that prayer, have made that decision, have said, God, I want you to forgive me because I've messed up. I want my relationship with you to be restored. And the good news, great news this morning is that he will forgive us. So what's the bad news? Well, the bad news is, especially for us this morning who are followers of Jesus, because this is kind of one of his teachings that um, we're, we're expected to follow. But even if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, even if you're here just visiting, checking things out, I still think this maybe will help you this morning. You see, the bad news is that Jesus talked about forgiveness a lot. And he actually talked about it as being a two-way street. Listen to what he said in Matthew 6.12. He was teaching us how to pray, a very famous prayer, the Lord's Prayer. One of the lines of that prayer says in verse 12, forgive us our sins, we want to be forgiven, as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. When it comes to forgiveness, I think many of us want to be forgiven. But when it comes to forgiving others, that's just a little bit harder, isn't it? When someone's wronged us, when someone's um, upset us in some way, we want to hang on to that anger that we feel. I discovered this week that there is actually a physiology to not forgiving. Brain researchers tell us that, that physiologically, when we dwell on vengeful or resentful types of thoughts, it actually stimulates pleasure centers in the brain. Do you know that? So I'll give you an example. Think about that conversation you had with that person who upset you. And the conversation went something like this. You, you would tell them exactly how you felt and you were really going through it detail by detail and the words were coming really well and you were really happy with the way you were saying it and everything was coming out right and the person was just dumbfounded as they looked at you because your response was so eloquent. That conversation happened in your head, didn't it? Several times. <laughs> Because you've laid there in bed or you're in the shower and you're playing out that conversation in your mind and I'm going to tell them this and I'm going to say this and, and we go through this conversation and I think we do it because it feels good to keep saying it. And then we see them in real life and they're like, hey, and you're like, hey, how's it going? Great, good to see you. Because we don't say it in real life, we just keep playing it through in our head all the time. Because when we, when we think about that, there's a piece of our mind that actually gets stimulated in our brain. There are neurotransmitters that have been re released into our bloodstream that feel good. But you see, the same science also points out that that's a very quick pleasure. There's actually a long-term danger of being somebody that isn't quick to forgive and holds on to that anger. One study I came across, they called it this. They said, when you don't forgive, you release all the chemicals of the stress response. Chronic stress is bad for our health. And forgiveness allows us to let go of those, those stresses that cause us undue burden. I'm reading this, okay, this week on online pages of scientific studies, that kind of thing. And I'm realizing, you know, 2,000 years ago, there were people in the Bible talking about this. 
The writer of Hebrews talks about it this way in Hebrews 12, 14 through 15. He says, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. He's saying when you choose to hold on to that, when you choose not to let go, when you choose to let that anger build up inside you, it it becomes bitterness. And then that bitterness is like a poisonous root. And it's difficult. I get that. Even as I'm preparing this message this week, I'm very aware of the fact that it's very easy for me to stand up on stage and say, hey, the good news is we've been forgiven. The challenge is we've got to forgive others. All right, have a great day. See you later. But some of you, already you're thinking of that person. That person's in your mind right now and you're like, I don't know if I can do that. That's going to be hard. If you knew the pain, if you knew the situation, if you knew all that happened, this is a very difficult ask that you're making of me. That's why I said it was bad news. But honestly, this morning, in many ways, I think it's good news. I think it's good news and good news because I think if we choose to hold on to that, it will be like bitterness and it will be like a poison root that will just keep destroying us from the inside out. And I know it's not easy, but we've got an example in Jesus who literally was hanging on a cross, having just been crucified, asking God to show mercy on the people that did this to him. So we may need to say, Jesus, I'm going to need your help in this, but I don't want this to corrupt me anymore. I don't want this to to harm my life anymore. One of the guys I came across, across, his name was Bob Enright. He's a psychologist at the University of Wisconsin. And and 30 years ago, 30 years ago, he did this uh, exhaustive research, this study on forgiveness. And he he challenged the idea that many people think of forgiveness as, as just letting go or moving on. And he said, that's a part of it, but there's more than that. Sometimes it's not as easy as just letting go or moving on. He said, true forgiveness goes a step further. True forgiveness is offering something positive. It's it's finding some empathy or compassion or understanding towards the person who hurt you. And that can be incredibly difficult. Depending on what the situation is, that can be incredibly difficult to find empathy or compassion or understanding toward the person that hurt you. But I think Jesus modeled that for us. I think that's exactly what Jesus was modeling for us. Because as he hung there on the cross, he didn't just say, Father, forgive them. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. There was some some empathy, some understanding that they are not fully aware of exactly what's happening here. God, have mercy on them, because they don't understand the implications of exactly what is going on in this moment. So it's bad news, but it's good news this morning because I think it's good news for us because I think it's going to free some of us. I'm always amazed when I read stories about situations where uh, it might be a news story, you know, where something has happened and, and the person affected in the news story makes this statement, you know, I'm choosing to forgive the person that harms me or harms my family member. And yes, they want to see justice done. And yes, they want to see um, accountability. But they're choosing to forgive because they know it will change their life. And it'll change their life if they don't forgive. 
Growing up in England in the 1980s, uh, I was uh, familiar with a band called Mike and the Mechanics. Okay, I don't know if you've heard of them. They're a very 80s-looking band there. So the gentleman in the middle is Mike Rutherford. He used to be in another band called Genesis, and then he did a band of his own called Mike and the Mechanics. And incidentally, nothing to do with what I'm talking about today, but one day I sat in McDonald's in Guildford, Surrey, and next to me at the table was Mike and his son. And it was just bizarre sitting there. He was just eating a cheeseburger with his son. I was like, I know that guy, but I didn't talk to him. They sang a song in the 80s called In the Living Years. And I remember watching it once. They performed live on a TV show. And when they got done, the presenter of the TV show, they went back to him and he was just weeping because the song affected him so much. And, and here's a little um, couple of lines from the song. It says, I wasn't there that morning when my father passed away. I didn't get to tell him all the things I had to say. I think I caught his spirit later that same year. I'm sure I heard his echo in my baby's newborn tears. I just wish I could have told him in the living years. Say it loud, say it clear. You can listen as well as you hear. It's too late when we die to admit we don't see eye to eye. And this presenter on this TV show very vulnerably explains that him and his dad, something had happened. And he never fully resolved that with his dad. And then his dad passed away. And, and as he was listening to the words of that song, it just, he, he fully understood. It's, I wish I could have done that in the living years. And I think for some of us, there, there could come a point in the future where we will look back and say, man, I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd forgiven. I wish I'd let go of that. It's not easy. But fortunately, we don't have to do this on our own. Jesus wants to walk this journey with us. And maybe you'll have a conversation with someone who'll help you in it, or maybe you'll start praying about it. But I hope this morning, when it comes to forgiveness, you, you leave here knowing that Jesus loves you so much that we are forgiven. If we'll just ask him to forgive us, we can have this relationship with us. He's already paid the price. There's nothing else we have to do other than just say, Jesus, I accept your forgiveness. And I think that'll just be an incredible new life for some of you. That's what we're praying these boys and girls, the decision they'll make when they grow up is to one day make that prayer a personal prayer of their own. But I also pray this morning for any of you who maybe there's a situation or a circumstance or a person in your life and you know this is having an effect on you and it's time. It's time to forgive, to put that behind you. And I know it's not easy. But if Jesus can pray that prayer, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing while nailed to a cross, then Jesus, I know you can help me in this situation too. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much and thank you so much that you didn't just talk about forgiveness theoretically, but then in that moment, that the most testing moment of your life, Jesus, you demonstrated what it looked like to forgive. You talked in your life about loving your enemies and, and doing good to those who hurt you, being kind and, and forgiving, Lord. And, and these are great teachings, Lord, but in that one moment where your teachers were put to the test, you lived it out. So God, help us. Help us. Thank you, Lord, that we can receive your forgiveness in our lives this morning, but help us as well to, to make sure that this becomes a two-way street, that as we have been forgiven, we will show forgiveness to others. As we have been shown mercy, that we will show mercy to others, Lord. Some of us, we can't do that in our own strength. So help us to do that, Jesus, I pray. Amen.